Hello, this is Tim Rausenberger with BrassCenter.com. Today is Friday, September 22nd, 2017. This is episode 93, Tips for Teaching Young Band Students. A bulk of my career has been teaching band, and more specifically, young students, ones in their first, second, third years, and there are always things I'm trying to learn myself. There always seems to be something that I find myself doing in a classroom and saying, hey, you know, maybe I could do this a little differently. And I try to add things to my repertoire each year. So as I expand my arsenal, I want to share some of my observations that I've made over the years. And these are things that you may not find in videos, things typed out in articles, or even in clinics, master classes. These are just some general observations that you would probably like to incorporate into your classes to just simply make things better. And I think the first thing that's really important for young band students to know is they don't need to sound like young band students, ever, 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 ever. I, I always think back to what my parents said about how they would literally cringe going to my concerts when I was a student and how painful some of the sounds were. They knew what my sounds were like at home, but then when they got to hear the entire group, yikes some very interesting things would happen on the stage. Now, of course, I didn't realize that at the time. I thought that my group that I was playing with was the greatest ever. And a lot of times kids will think that way, but the way I do it is I will take any instrument and purposely play badly and demonstrate poor playing for them. Students need to hear what simply what just bad playing sounds like on an instrument. They need to hear that. They need to have that sound in their brains. And quite honestly, even though it's great if you do it on their instrument, it can really be on any instrument. Kids know if it's a bad sound and they'll laugh when they hear the teacher doing it. But then you look at them seriously and say, you don't need to sound like that. You don't need to sound like that. Your Mary Had a Little Lamb, your Jingle Bells, your Twinkle Twinkle Little Star doesn't have to sound like that. With breaths in between every single note, kids not tonguing at all, and it sounds like they're honking into their instruments, because maybe they are. Play it for them. Play the notes connected. So that's important to, for them to, to hear you as their role model. 
because as far as they are concerned, you are their universe. You are their everything. You're the expert. So that's just one tip that I've learned over the years. Another one, which goes along with the same line of thinking, I don't know why so many directors wait until the first rehearsal to start teaching kids about conducting and the podium and all of that stuff. If you use a podium, if you use a baton, I don't know why they wait till the rehearsal. I think that's foolish. That stuff should happen in lessons. In your lessons, you should explain to them what their role is. And here's why. You need to explain to the flutes where they're going to be seated. You need to explain to them that it's possible they may not be able to have their own stand like they get to have in their lessons. They may need to share a stand. But even though they're sharing a stand, they can't be looking at the wall. They have to be be facing you. This is stuff you don't want to be doing in the rehearsal. There are a lot of reasons why you don't want to do it in the rehearsal. But one of the biggest ones, kids are very, very self-conscious. Very self-conscious. And it's bad enough because some kids do not want to be singled out in a lesson. A lot of kids are petrified and terrified of potentially being outed in front of their peers in the large ensemble. Very, very embarrassing for anyone. And I've known kids that have told me later on that they quit band or chorus or whatever because they felt embarrassed. They didn't want that to ever happen again to them. Now to that end, you really don't want to be singling kids out. You just don't say it as a section. Don't say kids' names. The only exception would be the percussionists. Now, with percussionists, I'm very tough on percussionists. Very, very, very demanding on them. And you really have to be that way. Not, and not be a jerk, but you have to be very demanding. And the way I do it with percussionists from the beginning is I always say, you should feel so privileged that you're playing these instruments. You get to play all these instruments and they're really, really expensive and we have to take great care of them, but no other kid in the, in the band gets to play all these different instruments and make sure they get a chance to rotate on the instruments. Now with drummers, I'll simply say, listen, you need to understand and you say it to a nine-year-old to a 10-year-old, to an 11-year-old, you say to them, you need to understand that if you're the bass drummer, you're a soloist. So if you're going to play this part, you have to know your role. And you also have to be a big boy or a big girl and know there's a really strong possibility that you might make a mistake in rehearsal and I'm going to have to say your name. And I'm not saying it to be mean, but... Everybody knows you're the only bass drummer. So don't feel bad about it. Know that you're a soloist. Know you have a really important part. It really heightens things. It'll prepare kids better. And when they know this stuff before they walk into the rehearsal, it's critical. The final tip I'm going to add for today, and I'll do future podcasts on this topic, but the future, the last one that I have for you today, this is one that I started noticing just a few years ago and boy is it aggravating but a lot of directors don't pick up on it 
watch your students carefully when you're giving directions and specifically if some of the stuff that you're saying is a little bit uh, mundane, a little bit boring, or and it's not that it's not important, but you could get a little bit too verbose, just too much for the, for some kids, some kids that may zone out or whatever the case may be. And even worse, if you are needing to reprimand kids for any reason or give them a firm reminder about something, there's something that students always do and it drives me bonkers and they know this about me and I always remind them. For some reason, one of the things that I've noticed is that kids, when you do that, they always look down at their instruments. I don't know why they do it. And it doesn't matter what age. It has not just been fourth and fifth graders. I've seen it with kids in middle school and high school as well. All of a sudden, I don't know why it is, but the second that you say something, it's not just putting their heads down, they start fidgeting with their instruments. Suddenly, this is where the flute players start figuring out where to put their fingers when you are trying to give really important instructions. Or the trumpet players. This seems to now be a, a, an opportune time for them to take out their first valve slide. Or whatever other silly thing they're doing to their instruments because they're fidgeting. It could be because they know that you're upset about something and they're nervous. But I'll tell you something. When you are going to give directions and you see that, you are losing them. And they're probably not listening to you. So you have to make sure that you have their eyes. I always say, one of the big expressions I say constantly in my group lessons and in my large ensembles, eyes, ears, eyes, ears. I always say that, eyes, ears. Because I want to know, not just that they're listening to me, but you have a much greater chance of them listening to the directions that you're giving by them simply looking at you. And there's so many teachers that don't get that. They don't understand it. And you're speaking and they're not listening to a word that you're saying. Now, some of them are not going to get it anyway because they, they may not be very good oral learners. They only understand things well with visual cues. But we know, obviously, in a rehearsal, that gets a little bit tougher uh, in terms of everything that you're saying to the ensemble and having to write something on the board, not turning your back to the ensemble. So that gets to be a little bit challenging. So these are just some tips that I've learned along the way. I'm always learning. You know, just yesterday, there was something that I did with a student, and I said, wow, this is something that I can potentially share with all of my uh all the people that listen to my podcast episodes. Uh, if you have any suggestions of your own that you'd like to pass along, I'm always welcome. Uh, I'd always welcome them and would enjoy incorporating them into these episodes. Uh, but these are just some tips to think about. I'm going to give you another episode in the future, near future, which will have more ideas. Uh, but hopefully these are some things, maybe at least one of these things you have not thought about, you can start to incorporate into your rehearsals. I wish you the best this school year and uh, rock on with that band.